Hello residents of Meeple Town, this is Dean, and today I'm going to be talking about a lot, a lot of games and kind of giving you an update on what's going on in Meeple Town. So thanks for joining us for episode 129. Alright Meeple Town, we are back, and when I say we, I mean me, Dean. I am back. I'm flying solo again this week, and that is kind of purposeful because my schedule's just been a little bit hectic. I still have a few more people I want to get on here as guests before we move into the next era of Darren and Dean in Meeple Town, but for the time being, I just had to go solo this week. I just it, There's just too much going on. It's hard for me to schedule and uh, to be consistent with that. So hopefully we will uh, make some changes with that in the weeks to come. Now, just so you have an idea, um, the goal once Darren starts is that we will be a weekly podcast, but until then it's a little uh, a little more hit or miss. And so I haven't recorded in the last two weeks, although we did several weeks of, of every week podcast coming out. This next week we will not release an episode but I will release another one after that, and hopefully we're going to have, if all goes well, we'll have probably three guests before Darren uh, then joins us as a, as the full-time co-host on this show, just to kind of give you a little bit of an update there. Now, there can be some changes along the way, especially with the craziness of the schedule, but, but you know, we'll, we'll see how things go with that. But, but there has been a, a little bit of a change that, that shakes things up a little bit, not just for the podcast, but also for YouTube. And that's that there is no more Meeple Town Studio. And uh, that might not seem like that big of a deal, but for myself, recording, it has been really uh, much better to use the studio than it has been to record at home, especially because we have a new puppy in our house and uh, he barks sometimes. And so it makes it a little more difficult. I am recording at home right now, but he is in bed. And so, yeah, I think we'll be okay for for the time being. But it, it does make things a little bit different, especially because I had hoped, and this is kind of moving into YouTube talk, but the hope is to do more videos on YouTube. If you if you subscribe to us on YouTube, which I hope you do, you're going to see that I'm dropping a bunch of videos, John and I's top 50. This is the, the top 50 that we actually recorded last year for the podcast, I think in August. And we've just had the videos sitting there and I'm now getting around to getting that out and that's probably going to clear out the rest of Meeple Town videos. I might have one more in there. I can't remember. And so the hope was to record some more videos and actually I went to record video and then realized, oh, there is no more studio here. And so now I have to figure out what to do about YouTube. And this one's a little bit more of a bummer because I, I really don't know exactly what to do. This space that I have in my home to record video is it's just not the greatest. Uh, I have a good table and a good setup for playing games, but the audio quality is just not great and it's not a space that I can really do much to change that. And it's also pretty close to where the, the puppy is and so that that is going to change things a little bit. Now here is my hope though. I'm hoping I can still do some videos, but instead of doing more of that playthrough style that we've been used to, I'm probably going to go to some quicker reviews, more of if you've seen our, our rapid reviews. I'm, I'm not married to that name, by the way, because that's not the only person out there using rapid reviews. But but I'm probably going to go to more of that format of quicker reviews, 
maybe just me kind of standing in front of a, you know, some background of some sorts talking and then having some b-roll footage some pictures and some you know some cool shots in the background that that might be what I moved to but honestly I didn't anticipate having to make a change especially this quickly and so I don't know what that's going to look like I will try to go ahead and get out a couple of videos just to keep things going but it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be the format that I'm going to be married to in the future but just want to throw that out there to you and and if you don't already subscribe to the YouTube channel I highly encourage you to do that uh, especially if I start doing some of those short uh, short video reviews a lot of you have talked about how you like when we do the quicker reviews and, and just talking through a lot more games so that might be more your format for those of you who are looking for that now Speaking of reviews and quick reviews, if you would like to help out Meeple Town, we would love to have reviews from you on Apple Podcasts or whatever whatever format you're using to listen to the podcast. It really does help get the word out there, lets people know more about Meeple Town, the fact that we exist, and so I would really appreciate just taking a couple minutes to do that, and then we'll read that on the air as well, and so you'll be you'll be recognized as such. So I think that kind of gets us mostly mostly caught up with what's going on, and so uh, this episode is going to be a little bit different where I'm not going to have a top list, I'm not going to have any topics or anything like that. I'm just going to start talking about some games I've been playing and kind of go from there. So Jonathan, our friend Jonathan, who was on the podcast for last episode, recently hosted a gaming weekend and I was able to go to about a, uh, I guess if you add up all the time, maybe a full day of that and it was a lot of fun. I wish I could have stayed for the, the full two days, but it just didn't work out for my schedule to be able to do that. But I'll talk about the games that I did play there. So I, I got there on Friday morning. I got to play a couple games early in the morning. And the first one I played was a game of Seven Wonders with the Armada expansion. Now, if you have listened to and, and I just mentioned that we're posting some of our videos of the uh, top 50, Seven Wonders is a game that I like quite a bit. And John likes this quite a bit too. John was actually not at this at this weekend. But I have played Seven Wonders a lot over the years. Now, what I have not done is played with the Armada expansion, and I've wanted to for quite a while. Steph Hodge, who a lot of you know, she is a friend of the show and uh, also a, a local gamer and, and is part of Jonathan's group. With uh, She's with all the Meeples of the Rainbow, does a lot of, with Board Game Geek. This is one of her favorite games, and she taught this to all of us. And I don't think any of... I don't think anyone else at the table had played with the Armada expansion. But the cool thing about this expansion is that it adds this board that has these tracks that you're moving up on. And if you know me, you know I like tracks and moving up on said tracks. You've got a red military track, a uh, yellow track, the blue track, and a green track. And each one has a boat that's attached to it. And whenever you play a card that matches that color, you can pay a cost that, that's indicated on the board to be able to move up on whatever track that, that uh, corresponds with the card that you're playing and, and the uh, fee that you pay. So for example, if I play a red card, I can pay whatever fee is attached to that, I move up on that track, and then it'll give me a bonus. Now, I like this expansion for a lot of reasons. One, because you're moving up tracks and doing really cool things there. And I use the the player mat that actually went with the Armada. I don't know if there's multiple 
faction boards with Armada, but the one I played with, it it helps you to move up on the track, and it also gives you more strength in those Armada battles. Now, outside of moving up the tracks, I really like the military aspect of this game. One thing that when you're looking at base Seven Wonders, not Seven Wonders Duel, but the regular Seven Wonders game, even with some of those first expansions, military is not always necessarily the most exciting route to go, depending on who you're playing with. But with the Armada, it adds in this extra element of this these, these big Armada battles, these big sea battles that happen. And it's a separate strength attached to that. And I really enjoyed having that aspect. And it made me want to play more red military cards and kind of lean into that a little bit more. And there's also some cards that, that will come out that that make you want to to be involved in more battles as well or, or have the military strength and then also be involved in more battles seven wonders great game as it is always play with cities always play with the leaders expansion we played with both of those as well but armada might be my favorite expansion now i've played uh i've not played edifice the the new one that just came out but i've played with i believe all the other expansions for for this game and Armada is just so cool. I love it so much. I cannot believe it's been this long uh, that <laughs> that I'm just now getting a chance to play it. It's been out for several years now. I don't have a copy of this yet, but I anticipate I will pick this one up. And then I I wouldn't play with this every time. You need to play with people who are experienced with the game, who know it. We played with somebody who didn't know the game that well, and it did slow it up a little bit. But overall, I feel like it was still a, a quick experience. Highly recommend Seven Wonders Armada. Just Seven Wonders in general, if you haven't checked this one out. And it was also the new version with the cool fancy foil cards, and I like that quite a bit too. So anyway, that's Seven Wonders with the Armada expansion. Then after we did that, I didn't have a whole lot of time because I had to be somewhere, but I got to play a couple games of No Thanks. No Thanks is a game where you're flipping over a card and you're deciding whether or not you want to take that card or you want to put one of your tokens on that. And eventually, somebody's going to take the card and gain the tokens that are on top of that. The tokens are going to be worth points. The card values that you take are going to be worth negative points. So you're going to end up with negative points at the end of the game, most likely. I mean, you can get positive points, but the, I don't think that happened at all in the games that we played. It's a really, really simple game. Oh, I didn't mention the most important part. So you also get runs of these cards. So let's say I take an 11. Well, that's worth a negative 11 points at the end of the game. But if I later on get the 12, then that 12 doesn't count as any points because it's part of a run of numbers, and it's the highest number, so you're not going to count that one. So let's say I get 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. I'm only going to get negative 11 points. All those other ones don't count. And so you're trying to get the ones that benefit you. But there's also a push-your-luck element of this. So if I have the number 35, or I don't remember what it goes through. Maybe 33 is what it goes through. Let's say I have the number 35. Yeah, it is 35. Let's say I have the number 33, and I would put one of my tokens on there. Uh, let's say a 34 comes out, excuse me, if I have the 33, 34 comes out there and no one else has higher numbers. So nobody wants that card except me because it doesn't really hurt me to take that card. But what I will do is put tokens on there because those are positive points and I'll force other players to put positive points on there. But the put your luck element is 
eventually if somebody runs out they're going to have to take that card and so you want to make sure that you can run somebody out as much as you can without them losing all their tokens and having to take the card because it's a card that you really want and the cool thing is you might think well just take all the lower cards don't worry about the high cards but there's an element where in, in fact the first game that we played the person who won is the one that had all the high cards and I had pretty low cards and I, I came close to winning but it was still uh, I like that I like that aspect that you could still go the high route and do well this game's been out for a minute came out in 2004 so almost 20 years and this one still holds up. I, I, I've owned this one for a while, but honestly, I haven't played it in probably eight, nine, ten years. It's been a long time. But I've held on to it. I'm glad I did because now it makes me want to get this one out a little bit more. That is No Thanks. I do recommend that one as well. It's a quick game, quick filler game. Again, a 20-minute game, 15, 20 minutes, something like that. And um, it was a big hit with everyone at the table, especially because there were several that hadn't played it before. Next up, I left that day, came back the next day, and first thing, bright and early in the morning, we wanted to teach our friend Neil Blood Rage, which is my all-time favorite game, so anytime somebody asks me to play Blood Rage, I will say, yes, thank you, I would love to play Blood Rage, and so we got to this to the table, played a three-player version of this, which is not my favorite, I don't love the three-player version as much as playing with four or even five, because you can always gang up on somebody. Blood Rage, if you don't remember, don't know anything about this game, you're drafting cards, and with those cards, you're going to play them, and they're going to give you monsters, they're going to give you battle points, they're going to give you quests to be able to get points, and lots of different things. Ultimately, this is an area control game after you take those cards, but it, there's so much tension in the timing of when to play those cards, when to put characters out on the board, your warriors or what characters to put out there uh, you have to manage your rage which is the the currency in the game and so once you run out of currency you can't do anything else for that round so you need to make sure that you can do all the things that you need to do before that round ends obviously I love this game I did win this game I did want to make a note of that because I don't usually win this game and honestly I don't usually win games against Jonathan in general so that felt really good to be able to do that but I went a little bit Loki strategy on this one, which is the strategy where you are you are throwing battles so that you can gain some points. And so early on, what I did is I had the points that uh, I had the card that gave me uh, the up, excuse me, the upgrade that gave me points for having my ship destroyed. And so I was able to do that and gain a lot of points throughout the game, and that paid off for me. But Really love this one. Obviously, always ready to play it. I, what, I wouldn't have minded. Yeah, I wouldn't have minded putting some of the new expansion characters in there. It's been a minute since I've played them, and I actually that new expansion box that I have that came out a couple years ago. I actually haven't played any of the pieces for that, so I probably should have brought that over. But I don't have that one painted up, so I'm gonna have to paint that up before I get it to the table next time. But that's Blood Rage. Obviously, my favorite game of all time. So I love it. Then after that, a game that I had been wanting to play for a while. I've played this one three times before. That's Battlestar Galactica, the board game. Now, I played this with Michael, who is uh, also with all the Meeples of the Rainbow, does the uh, the live feed for um, the live playthroughs with Steph. And this is his all-time favorite game. And I've played this game three times, and I'm pretty sure every one of those games has been with Michael. And it's been several years since I've played this one. So the thing I loved about getting to play this with him 
is that he knows the game so well, knows what the expansions to throw in there. And apparently we played with all the expansions, but maybe some of the things were modified or changed or whatever. I'm not quite sure exactly what was going on there, but I do know we played with all the expansions. I know that right off the bat, I was a trader and I was a Cylon. And so this is a hidden trader game. You're going to have uh, at least one, potentially two Cylons in the uh, five player game, I think is what we were playing. Uh, but you might not start off as that. You might start off as a normal human and then halfway through the game, you're going to draw more cards and they're going to, uh, some of those are, might be Cylons as well. So you could be a human half the game and then end up being a Cylon after that. But I was a Cylon the whole game, but I slow played it really almost to the point where I was like, there's no way that I'm going to win this game because I didn't know who the other Cylon was at that point. Halfway through, I didn't even know if anybody was the Cylon, if it was just me, but I didn't really do anything to throw the game until very late in the game. And the the big crux of this game is you're trying to fight off the Cylons, try to fight off the the uh, different attacks that are going on against uh, the Galactica. And uh, then you're trying to make so many jumps and then you you win the game after that. Uh, after you've made all the jumps that you need to make, you reach this certain threshold. I forget what that threshold is. And once you reach that threshold, then you have to jump one more time. Well, we made that threshold and I kept looking for my opportunity to be able to somehow throw the game. And towards the very, I think it was the last round of the game or second to last round, something like that, uh, I had convinced Michael to let me out of the brig. I got thrown in there for something. I can't remember now. But I got thrown in the brig, and I convinced Michael to 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 give me orders to get me out of there and to uh, jump is what it was. We needed to be able to jump. So you have to go to a special room to be able to jump. And and so I said, hey, do this to me. I can, I can have us jump, and I got cards that I need, all this, you know, convinced him. He did, but I had this special ability where I get to one time per game shoot somebody, just like take them out, take them down, and I saved it to the very end. I moved into his space, shot him, and then was able to win the next, one of the next skill checks that we did that was able to, uh, that allowed me to be able to win the game, which was pretty fantastic. The other Cylon, I was wrong. I thought, who I thought was the Cylon was not the Cylon. But they revealed themselves towards, I think it was like the second to last round or something like that. This game is just amazing. What a blast of a game. Now, this is a game that is pretty impossible to find. It's really expensive, especially if you want all the expansion materials with this. And I'm told that you really do need to have a lot of the expansions. Maybe not all of them, but a lot of them to make this work out so well. Oh, what a great game. And in fact, it's made me start watching Battlestar Galactica. I've, I've watched the miniseries a couple of times, but now I'm close to the end of the first season, working my way through it. And, and now that I'm seeing all these characters that we used in the game, that was pretty cool too. This is this is just a really fun experience. And now what I'm thinking about my... This is a, a genre, by the way, that I, I like quite a bit. I like the hidden trader roles. I like Dead of Winter. I like... Uh, Shadows over Camelot. I have Unfathomable, which is like a remake of Battlestar Galactica, but I've not had the chance to play that one yet. There's, you know, several other games like this that I've I've really played 
This is one of the best ones, and I, I've never put it in my list of top 50 games, even though I have put Dead of Winter and Shadows Over Camelot at least at one time or another in my top 50. I didn't play Battlestar Galactica enough, and like the first time I played it was early in the hobby, and I didn't really know what I was doing, so that, that kind of skewed it for me a little bit, but yep. I want to play this one more and more, and uh, Michael will play any time, and so I, I will also play any time that this is available, although next time I'm hoping to get Unfathomable to the table just to see how these two compare. And actually, if you've played both of them, I'd love to hear your comments on this about your thoughts of if if Unfathomable is worth it to try it, if I have somebody who has all of the expansion materials for Battlestar Galactica, or if, it's, if Unfathomable has a, a place on the shelf as well. But great game, great experience, Battlestar Galactica, the board game. And then after that, the last game I was able to play of the game was a game that was a top 50 game. And uh, one that just came out last year, that's Foundations of Rome. This is Emerson Matsuchi. And Jonathan wanted to play this one, had been wanting to play it for a while. I was running out of time, and so I wanted to throw all, all the expansion stuff into the mix. All of it except the, the trading aspect of this game. But... I was running a little low on time, and so I decided to leave off the monuments, which I really, really like the monuments uh, module with this one. But anyway, I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself. Foundations of Rome, you might have heard of talk, heard us talk about this one in the past. It, you have this map uh, where you have a, a grid of A through, I guess we were playing a four-player game. I think it's A through I. And then uh, however many numbers that is. So it's a square square grid. Basically what you're doing is you're going to be taking, you're going to be plotting these different areas on the board. I will start off with six plots on the board. And then I'll be buying deeds throughout the game that will give me more plots. And as I connect those, I'm going to be building different buildings into those locations. Some will give you population, which will give you some points. Some will give you money and help you with your income phase whenever you take that action. And then some of them are civic buildings, which are victory points at the end of each round, and then at the end of the uh, third round, which is the, the end of the game. Uh, pretty simple game. That That's, you know, the, the basic game. But then you can throw in the player abilities. Then you can throw in these objectives. You can make them secret. You can make them public. You can throw in the monuments, which are a bunch of different buildings that anyone can compete for, but you're, there's a race to get those. There are, uh, I'm sure I'm leaving other, oh, the uh, cards that you can put in with the deeds deck that give you points or special abilities depending on how you uh, want to use utilize those cards obviously I love this game because it was a top game of 2022 I think it was like my second or third favorite game and it did not disappoint I, I still would rather play with monuments but again running low on time the thing I really liked about this I don't know if I had played it a four-player game I'd, I think I'd only played it two and three in the past and then you can play this one up to five with that expansion but the thing I like about this is how quick the turns go because you're only doing one thing. You're you're either buying a deed, you're building a building, which doesn't cost anything. It's just moving uh, a building out into those plots that you have, or you can take income. That's it. And so the, the turns are really snappy, just a lot of fun. I think everyone had a good time with this one, and I'm excited to when the expansion materials come out for this one just to see what else is going to this one offers because it's just with the base game it's really simple pretty light game 
but then you add everything else in and it becomes thinkier and thinkier and but still really fast so i i love that uh, when games can do that so that was the last game that i played it was foundations of rome highly recommend that one as well so a really a huge weekend of just really good gaming for myself i don't know if anyone else enjoyed all their games as much as i did but i I didn't play anything new. I didn't think about that till now, but it was kind of nice just to go back and play games that I know that I love. Now I'm going to talk about a couple games that I did not know that I loved, and some of them I did. Uh, some of them I might have loved. Somebody, maybe not. We'll see. First one I'm going to talk about is a game that actually Steph Hodge wrote about in her blog. And it got me really excited, so I want to check this one out. And that's Dungeons and Dragons, Dungeon Scrawlers, Heroes of Undermountain. That's the entire name of it, but it's Dungeon Scrawlers, basically. And there's this one that came out in 2021. There's a new standalone expansion that's going to be coming out this year that I feel pretty confident that I'm going to pick up because my family really enjoys this one. This is a real-time game where you're going to be scribbling on a board. It's You've got a dry erase marker. There's 10 maps per person. You can play up to four players. So you're going to have, uh, you're going to play one map at a time, maybe start off with the first one, and you start at the starting location of this dungeon map, and you're going to be drawing real-time. Everyone's going to do this at the same time, one, two, three, start. And you're going to be going through the dungeon and trying to kill the boss character. But along the way, you're going to be doing lots of other things. You're going to be tracing spells, which will give you points. You're going to be picking up these ruins, and which is basically connecting the dots. Uh, so you go in this room and you've got nine dots or six dots. And you have to go in order before you can move on to the next room. And every room you go into, you have to interact with things in there. There might be a monster in there, which means you just scribble that monster out. There might be treasure in there, which just you outline the that treasure. And uh, then there's plants. So you can just have to run over the plants and you're going to get points for those. Each player also takes on a special ability card. So if you are the, uh, I'm trying to think of a uh, barbarian, for example. The barbarian only has to scribble the heads of the, of the monsters. If you're the wizard, you only have to draw a small circle on the spells and you're still going to get the point. And, and so there's different characteristics like that for the different characters again kill the boss battle they're worth three four points depending on which one you're playing that's the base game there's also every level that you go into there's new rules so you might pick up keys and have to use keys to get in to different areas you might be releasing prisoners you might be timed um it, it might be you know how much can you do in 90 seconds or something like that so every map is slightly different but still um not not too overwhelming you know once you know how to play the game the gist of it and it's real super super simple to teach then you can easily pick up the different rules that are added on to every uh every other map and we've played through eight maps I've, i think i've played this probably 15 times or something like that big hit with my family i've got a seven-year-old boy and an 11 year old boy and we we had to drive like 45 minutes the other day and they said hey dad can we play can we bring dungeon scrawlers and play in the back seat, and they did. They played for uh, probably half the trip in the back seat, and so, uh, yeah, big big hit. We've played this a lot, and I really look forward to seeing what else the new standalone expansions do. It actually it gave me these feels when I was a kid. I used to draw maps. Uh, sometimes they would be dungeons. Sometimes it would be like Mario levels. I would kind of like make out my own levels 
and then I would trace through the map and, and go through those different op- obstacles. This is a competitive version of that. Exactly. I mean, exactly what I used to do as a kid. And it just brings up so much nostalgia, but also it's it's a new uh, kind of breath of fresh air of, of just like super simple, fun times with the family sitting around the table. So if this... I really recommend this one if that's kind of your thing, although you just need to know it's light, you need to know it's real time, and if those things aren't your jam, you're probably not going to like this, but if you have younger kids, I just think it's a big hit for us. For us it is, and you know, once we get through playing through all these different maps, we're going to keep playing them, I would imagine. And the other thing I like is with the seven-year-old, we don't do this as much now because he's gotten better and better, but we gave him a head start and that kind of leveled the playing field a little bit too. We gave him a five second head start, then my 11 year old would go and I'd get a five second head start and then my wife and I would go. And so that, I like that. I like it really leveled up the playing field and then the seven year old still had a chance to to win and or at least do very well. So big hit. For us, we also played, now we haven't played this with my wife, but myself and my boys have played Super Mega Lucky Box, which if you listen to the episode with Keith Law where we talked about rolling rights, this was one of the ones he talked about. Didn't make his list. This is a Phil Walker Harding game. The Silver and Gold made his list, but he mentioned Super Mega Lucky Box, which I'm glad he did because I had said that I wanted to check it out. And in this one, it's it's a light game, so it's a, a weight of 1.23, and you have 18 cards numbered 1 through 9, so two ones, two twos, two threes, you get the picture. You're going to take nine of those, shuffle those together, take nine of those, and then everybody's going to have their, their lucky box cards that have numbers. It's a 3x3 three three grid, and you're going to be basically playing bingo. Um, so I'll flip over a card and let's say it's a one that I can cross off one, one on any of those three cards that I have. And once I have completed a row, there's going to be a bonus at the end of that row. Probably if I've completed a column, there's probably going to be a bonus at the bottom of there. Uh, lightning bolts lets you adjust the numbers. So it's not just straight up lucky getting whatever you get. If you collect those lightning bolts, then you, you'll have opportunities to manipulate those, uh, the numbers on those cards. You're getting moons for uh, whoever has the most is going to get six points and the least amount is going to get negative six points. You're going to get points for completed cards earlier on. You play through four rounds. And so if I complete a card at the very first round, it's going to be worth 15 points. At the end, it's going to be worth eight points. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Points all over the place. There's lots of uh, lots of different things that you can do to get points. Oh, stars. Uh, if you collect stars one star in a round is worth one point and then four points and then nine points so you want to try to set yourself up to be able to get three stars in one round if you can do that this is a good game it's it's different it it actually feels like silver and gold and this is one thing Keith Law talked about and if I had the choice I would probably say go with silver and gold however I do think again thinking about the the kid aspect I think they would prefer this to silver and gold. And so for me, I, I w- this would be a keeper where a silver and gold probably won't make it onto my shelf, although I really like it. it, it this is a simpler version of that, but they have really similar feels where you're trying to complete cards and you're going to get more cards each round. I didn't mention that part. You're going to take three and, and pick one of those. 
at the end of every round. Really simple, plays quick. Maybe if, uh, I'm trying to think. It probably says like 20 minutes on the box or something like that. Yep, 20 minutes is what it says on BGG. I, I don't even know if it's that long, honestly. 10, 15 minutes easily in a two-player game, I would say. It does play up to six players out of the box, but then you can also buy multiple copies and play more players if you want to do that. Cool game. I, I, I'm glad. I've heard a lot of people say positive things about this. I had my reservations, and again, it's it's not going to be for everybody because it is a very light game, and it's a bingo, although you can manipulate the cards in this. There is obviously luck. The name of it is Super Mega Lucky Box, but but I still think it's fun, and it's going to it's going to stay on the shelf because my family loves it. Also got to play a uh, game from Pencil First Games. This is a game they sent us called Delicious. And this is by Eduardo Boroff and Steve Finn, who we've, I think I've reviewed almost everything that Steve Finn's done at this point. Not everything, but a lot of things that, that he's done. Delicious is a roll and write game as well. Flip and right, excuse me, flip and right game. Uh, so, sorry, Super Mega Lucky Box is also flip and right. Delicious is a little bit unique, and I would say it's um, uh, uh, it's not punishing. It's not a punishing game, but it it does really make you. Uh, it forces you to make difficult decisions, and it kind of forces your hand in how you play the game. Let me explain how this works. So basically, you're going to have two cards that are going to flip over every round, and they're going to be vegetables. They're also going to have a little symbol on the bottom right-hand corner showing you whether a tool goes on there or a fruit goes on there. So you'll draw out of the bag a token to go on there. If it's a tool, you'll put it on the tool side. If it's a fruit, on the fruit side. If you take the, uh, excuse me, then you have this card that's going to say, you can either take one card of the exact position, take one card of a reverse position, you can take two cards of the exact position, or you can take two cards of any position. Now, what does that mean? It means if I take the broccoli card that is on the top of the two cards that flipped over, and I select the one card, that means I can only take that broccoli, and I can only put it in the top containers. There's three containers at the top, three at the bottom, and then a fruit container on the side where I'm going to be planting these different uh, fruits or vegetables. It, it, uh, let me see, sorry, I'm pulling up a picture. The different containers are, let's say the top left one, for example, it has six different boxes and you have to plant all the six different types of vegetables in those boxes. You have, they have to be different. You're going to have some where you have to have pears that are the same. Uh, somewhere three boxes they have to be the same or maybe uh, five boxes have to be the same so the the way that you put those vegetables into those different containers matters because the the type is going to matter and you're actually it's cool you're going to draw the picture of that or if you're not artistic and you just want to write the letter you can do that as well and then you're going to be putting fruit on the other side all of these things are going to give you points if you complete a row you'll get a point if you um, or the first one to complete that whole container, you'll get an, a bonus point, and then you're going to add up points at the end of the game. Now, constraining is the word that I would use for this game. There, it puts you in a tight constraint of how you can play those cards, which can seem frustrating at times because you're like, I really want to use this card to play it at the bottom. Like if the broccoli comes out and it's the top card, and you need a broccoli in the bottom card, well, you're going to have to play one of the ones that allows you to 
swap up the position of where that broccoli is supposed to go. And I didn't mention this, but there's four actions that you can take. Again, one in the exact position, one in the reverse position, two in the exact or two in whatever position. But you only get so many times to do each of those. And that's where the constraint really comes in. Um, I might, uh, I'm sorry, I'm trying to pull up the card here to show you how many times you can do that. I think it's like three times that you can do the one card, something like that. And so once I've used this three times, I can't do it anymore. And so you're trying to balance out how you're going to play those cards. And so you do have this tight constraint and it feels stressful. is not the right word because it's a fun game, but it, it it's, it's constraining. I don't know how else to say it, but it constrains the actions that you can take and it feels really, really tight. There is manipulation in this game with the tools that come out. And, and you know, there's lots of different things you can do. So it's not like you're just, you know, handcuffed to, to taking these actions. There's, there's ways to manipulate the items that you're putting in the box. And there's wild spaces that you can, you can utilize throughout the game as well. This is a cool game. And, and it wouldn't have made me like my top list of... of Roll and rights or flipping rights game, flipping right games, but I do see the appeal, and I think there's going to be a lot of people who do like this that really like tighter games, and and want to feel really thinky in a not super difficult game. It's going to take you a minute to for your head to wrap around how to take these actions, but overall, it's a pretty simple game. I enjoyed this one. I think it's fun. I need to get more plays of this. Uh, hopefully at some point I'll be able to do a video for this one, uh, depending on how the studio things work out. But I, I recommend this one if it's sound, if you, again, if you like those tight constraining games and you like flipping rights, I think this one is one to check out. Beyond the Sun uh, is, that was delicious by the way. Beyond the Sun, I'm going to talk about a few solo games before I wrap things up. The uh, first one is the the new expansion, Beyond the Sun, Leaders of the New Dawn, which has a solo element to it. Now, this is playing normal Beyond the Sun, but you're playing against the AI, and the AI is going to be taking actions every turn. They start off with these different cards, and then as you are revealing and discovering these new technologies, they're going to be gaining new cards into their deck, which allows them to take different actions uh, putting ships out, allowing them to expand and, and discover new technology, yada, yada, yada. And so they also have this track, and once that track reaches the end, their disc, basically it's a track with, I think, 13 of their disc on there. And, you know, normally in this game, you're taking disc off and they're going onto the planets, they're going onto your board. Same kind of works for the AI in this game. They're going to be taking disc off this to put on planets, and some are just going to be discarded at different times throughout the game. But that is kind of the gist of it. There's a new technology deck. Again, once a, a technology has been discovered, they'll take one of the cards from that location. It's going to go into their deck of actions that they take. And so that, you know, kind of ramps up the game a little bit. But there's also the event things that happen at those locations there will be a, an event that will happen if they discover the technology, it's a bad thing for you. If you discover it, it's a good thing for you. And so I like that aspect of it as well. I'm going to go ahead and say I've only played this once. Beyond the Sun was a, a game that I liked quite a bit. I think I was really high on this game, somewhere like a nine of the base game. I've only played the solo element of this. I haven't added in any of the other 
things to this game. I think there's the leader cards. Or I don't know exactly what those do. I haven't dug into that part of it yet. But, oh my goodness, did this game beat me down hard. I mean, I got destroyed. It was not even close how bad I got beat to the point where I thought, I think maybe I was playing a rule wrong and I haven't had a chance to go back and play it yet. I need to go back and try this again. But it seems like they're able to discover so many more technologies than you are, which isn't necessarily the end of the game because there's still opportunities for you to be able to get your ships out onto the exploration board and be able to gain control of those different planets. But it also seemed like they got a lot more ships out than I did and were able to move those ships to jump those ships to different planets and discover more. I think we were pretty even on how many we we were able to take over, but how many ships they had on the board was was pretty insane. It was a lot, a lot of ships. And so I need to go back and check this one out to make sure that I didn't play the rules wrong. I didn't dislike it. I thought it was fun. And, and you know, I'm doing the solo thing these days, a lot of solo gaming. And so this is one that I'm going to get to the table more. I just need to make sure that I'm not that bad at this game and that maybe I was playing something wrong or it's supposed to be very difficult, which is fine too. You know, I, I like a good challenge in a solo game. In my experience, my only experience of this one is it is quite the challenge. So I again, looking forward to checking out more of the expansion, not just the solo piece, but the other cards that are involved in well. I didn't mix in any of that stuff. I just wanted to make sure that I get a good grasp of how the solo works. So anyway, if you are if you love Beyond the Sun and you like solo games, probably one you're gonna want to check out. Maybe not. Maybe maybe you don't want like to get beat down. I don't know. And again, maybe I was playing this one wrong, but it was woof. It was tough. It was tough. Got to get this one back to the table. And then finally, I got to play uh, two more. Actually, two more. One is after the Empire. Uh, by the way, that other one again, Beyond the Sun, Leaders of the New Dawn, solo element. I got to play after the Empire, and uh, after the Empire is a is a um, game where you are trying to build up your castle and literally you have a castle on your uh, player board. Everyone has their own player board, their own castle. You're going to be collecting resources, worker placement style, going around collecting these different resources like wood, stone, and ore and building up your castle and building up your forces because you're going to get raided and and uh, hopefully not sacked completely, but you're going to try against try from that actually happening to you. You don't want to get completely destroyed. This is a uh, castle defense game, and that's the gist of it. It's very Euroy, but then the the element where you get attacked, there's some unknown things there. So there's some luck that can happen of which side of the attack uh, the castle they're going to attack. And so you need to set yourself up to be able to have forces guarding all four areas, but also be able to have the tokens that allow you to move your troops around so that you have a little bit more flexibility just in case you guessed wrong on which direction they were going to come from. You only know one side that they're going to attack from all the other locations that they attack from are, are are randomly determined once those cards flip over at the end of every round. I played the solo version of this. So uh, Evan Halbert is one of the designers of this game. A friend of mine reached out to me and he said, hey, would you like to try the solo of this? He's also a listener of the show and uh, knew that I've been playing more solo games lately. And so uh, I said, yeah, absolutely. Send it on to me and I'm going to see him this summer. And so I'll, I'll be able to pass that along to him. But one thing that I 
I've mentioned this before when I did the solo episode, and that's that if I'm doing a solo version of a game, I want not a lot of upkeep. I want the game to be exactly the way that I would normally play it, except add a small element of an AI or just like, you know, trying to get the best points, whatever, whatever that is. I just don't want a lot of upkeep. After the Empire, you flip a card over. You're playing against I've, uh, what is it? Ivar the Ivar the worst. I think is what it is. I just have the rules here, but I, I set them away. I uh, put them away. Yeah, I think it's Ivar the worst. And he has a a deck of cards that you're going to be flipping over, and and starts off with level one, and then they get to level two later on in the game. And that's just going to determine where you're going to put their meeples out onto the board. It's going to be blocking spots. That's really kind of the gist of how that works and they're also going to be gaining and losing money based on uh, based on what the card says to do and, the, and whoever has the most money at the end of the game is going to be the winner uh, but you also you're having to spend money when you take these different locations and buying cards and buying stuff troops and all that all that stuff so you want to be very efficient in this game anyway Arvar you flip over the card block a spot and then at the end of the round it determine whether or not they're going to get sacked and then how much uh gold that they're going to get each round they're going to keep moving up and up and up you're yeah, hopefully you're getting more and more gold and there's ways for them to get sacked and then you flip over their card at the end of the game to show how much stuff they have compare that to their objective cards and your objective cards that you've been picking up throughout the game and whoever has the most money is going to be the winner now i did win this one barely i've only played this one once and i will get this one to the table uh, after the empire was a top 10 game for me in 2021 i don't remember exactly where that fell somewhere around eight or nine or ten something like that but oh this solo is it's what i wanted honestly because i don't have a lot of people that i can play this with john liked this game but i don't think that he and i will play this very often we're not playing many games at all together anyway but uh not one that he, it's, he's like clamoring to play at uh, to play uh, I don't I have not played this one with my wife and I don't think that she would like this one as much either and so solo is is something that I really wanted for this game and I knew it was coming out so I was thrilled when he sent me this and it's going to get more plays I just it's exactly what I want it's just it's a deck of cards flipping them over doing the action not much upkeep doesn't change the rules of the game very much super simple one page rule book Highly recommend this one. If you like this game, you like solo gaming, the, the, for me, it's a no-brainer. I, Whenever I'm able to pick this one up, I will because it's just, it's it's my jam. It's my jam for this kind of game. Euro-y, thematic Euro-y game is something I tend to really like. So there we go. That is After the Empire and specifically the the solo mode of this. I don't, I don't know what the... I don't know if that has a name. I'm trying to look on here right now. Uh, yeah, I apologize. I apologize. I'm not sure what this is, what this is called. But it is the solo expansion for for after the Empire. Last one I'm gonna talk about is a game that I had been waiting for for a long time. When John was on the show, we talked about how much I would be excited about this one. That is Masters of the Universe, the board game Clash for Eternia. This one says it was a 2022 release, but it actually did just release this year. I got my copy maybe a month ago, something like that. Painted it up, got it to the table, playing AI. I plan on playing this with my family. We just haven't had a chance to play it. We've been playing Dungeon Scrawlers too much. 
Um, and so playing against the AI was helpful for me learning kind of the gist of the rules because I play everything that I need to do and then I have to flip over a card for the AI, which is pretty simple. Not as simple as After the Empire, but but it is uh, fairly simple and, and mostly the same way that you would play the normal game. But this is a one versus minigame normally. So in this case, I was taking on the heroes and then I was playing against the controller, which was also three evil characters. And the the scenario that we were playing, I don't remember which one it was. I think it was the second one in the rule book. But basically, you're going around, you have to destroy each other. Whoever gets five points first, you get a point for every character that you destroy. And that's really the only way you get points with the AI because there's also these points that you can claim if, by taking actions on those uh, different locations. But in the AI version of this, the, the solo version of this game, you don't actually have those points, You're on, those objective points. You're only going to be getting points for destroying the other characters. I did win this one, won by one point. It was five to four. And had I not won on the turn that I won, I would probably have lost the next round because some of the cards in the the AI's deck that they flip over are just brutal. And right before I won the game, they had flipped over one of those super brutal cards. And most of my characters had pretty high health up until that point. And then once we flipped that card over, it really, oof, it destroyed me quite a bit. So... Uh, I don't I don't know if I have a full-on review of this one yet. Again, this is one AI version of the game. It's a pretty... Uh, mm, how do I say this? It, it's a pretty simple game mechanically. I guess it's a 2.33 weight that's on BGG. That might change since it's still fairly new. The rule book was not my favorite, and I, I'm going to have to do some searching, probably look at some FAQs, some things I was a little bit uncertain about in the rules, did not think it was laid out very well. So that part wasn't my favorite, but the game was was still pretty simple, and, and so and I knew what it was, like going into it, that's actually what I wanted, something simple I could play with my boys. I'm looking forward to getting more of the expansion stuff painted up and, and getting more of that to the table. But as it is, I think this is a fun experience. I'm, I'm looking forward to playing some of the other scenarios, trying out the other characters. And uh, I, I love the aspect where you're leveling up your characters. Every time you move up on this uh, on the, this track, I forget what that track's called, but the, the score point. So every time I moved up on there, uh, not every time, but, but you reach these thresholds. And when you reach the threshold, uh, like the green uh, threshold, for example, then all of the characters that you have will take one of the green cards that they have and put it out on your board. Now you have a new, a new ability. And so as the game goes on, the game progresses, you're going to get these bigger and bigger abilities. And, but you have to manage that with your power, which is your currency. If you're the, the good guys, if you're the He-Man team like I was, then when I use a power, I have to spend that and give it to the controller. And so you have to think through, do I want to spend a lot of power because I'm going to give it to them and then they're going to be able to use this against me. I like that balance of it. And what, some of the things I've read is that that doesn't necessarily matter that much, that they usually end up having a lot of uh, a, a lot of that power anyway. But we'll see. I don't I don't really have anything to, to say about that yet, especially because I was only playing against the AI and it actually works a little bit different. The power does. But the 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 game system itself, I think, is fun. 
I just want to dig into it more before I really have a solid opinion of if it's a game that I'm really going to like. Love the theme. This was a, you know, Master of the Universe was something I grew up as like, this was my toy. These were my toys. I watched the cartoons, all that. And so I loved it growing up. I just look forward to digging this a little bit more. Maybe I can get my kids to watch the cartoon and then they can get super pumped about this one. But as it is, they saw the painting and they they want to get it to the table. So, but I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that one. Yes, it was fun. I had a good time. We'll see. Uh, I will hold my opinion until a, uh, a future time. But that's it. I've played other games. There's lots of other games that I've played, but those are the ones that I felt like I really wanted to talk about. Again, no podcast next week, but in two weeks we'll be back. Hopefully we'll be back with one of our guests. And then in the not too distant future, Darren's going to be joining us again. So again, make sure to leave a review. Um, if you'd like to support us on Patreon, you're welcome to do that as well. You can see all this in the in the show notes and, and buy me a coffee. All of that information if you would like to donate to Meepletown to keep us going, that is helpful. Otherwise, if you just want to connect with us on social media, you can go to Meepletown Games on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm posting mostly just like some gameplay video, or not videos, but pictures on there, some painting jobs that I've done, that sort of thing. So check that out. You can also reach out to us on the Guild 3407 and uh, email us, meepletowngames at gmail.com. And until next time, thanks for coming down to Meepletown. Hey!